Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening on. Today, I have a wonderful, wonderful guest. Um, this is Dr. Liana Leonov. Say hi to everyone, Liana. Hi, everyone. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad she's on, and um, oh, man, I can't wait for her to share her story. Um, you are calling from Sacramento, right? That's right. All right. So for those of you who do not know who she is, um, she is currently the current president of the Positive Health and Wellness Division of the International Positive Psychology Association. And she was the past president of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and has her own company, HealthType TM, that offers consulting services and innovative interventions, um, including mobile technology to be able to make sustainable health behavior changes. She has so many accolades, it probably would take the entire episode to finish. So thank you so much for uh, hopping on and doing this uh, podcast show, Liana. Thank you for having me. So let's dive in. I really, really enjoy hearing about people's stories, about how they go from point A to point B. And I would love to know, how did you get to this point? And, you know, you are doing so many different things and, you know, creating so many different uh, platforms and, you know, like you said, technologies, businesses, um, things like that um, in the field of positive psychology. And, but I'd like to you know, if you can share a little snippet of, you know, from point A to point B, because I'm sure it was a very interesting road. It it definitely was a, a, an interesting road and much more zigzaggy than from point A to point B, as often is the case. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I will uh, try to summarize it. Uh, there, I was as I was reflecting in preparation for our little chat, uh, two things came to mind that were. Uh, pivotal, uh, pre, pre any idea of positive psychology when I entered medicine. And I entered medicine at the prodding of my dad, uh, who was a physician from Bulgaria. We immigrated from mm. Bulgaria and he wanted uh, a fresh start here in the United States. And, uh, it, it, I, I didn't even have too much of a choice. It was sort of like, yeah, you, you know, you're going to be a, a doctor, <laughs> whether you like it or not kind of thing. I and can relate to I, that. <laughs> and, of course, I was young, and I imagined helping people. I was idealistic, and I immediately sort of imagined the, the, the human aspect of medicine. Uh, but when I actually got into medicine, got into medical school, was, was studying, was working with patients, met other physicians and health professionals, I found it very frustrating because it seemed that so much of it 
had nothing to do with the human aspects. It had to do with, mm. you know, but kind of, I hate to say it, but people showing off, you know, being grilled on rounds and who knew the most and who was uh, trying the latest uh, clinical procedures, uh, trying out the latest drugs. And um, the patient's human, human side kind of got lost somewhere. It got ignored, I, I thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and that there were a couple of, of pivotal sort of examples or pivotal moments. One was when I was um, at a well-known med center in Texas, which I won't name <laughs> so that I won't incriminate mm-hmm. anyone. Uh, I was training, and uh, we uh, this was in the old days when uh, uh, breast cancer patients would undergo, undergo these bone marrow transplants that were pretty horrific mm-hmm. and uh, the patient's immune system would be down they would be isolated in a tiny little room with a very few visitors and what visitors they had would have to wear masks and you know mm-hmm. lots of you know covering and mm-hmm. there was no touch involved and mm-hmm. their immune system was so low that they would have these uh, oral viruses and get these excruciatingly uh, painful oral sores so they could barely swallow and I could see how they were really suffering and uh, I befriended one of these uh, young uh, patients she was only in her 30s with with breast cancer and uh, her family was very frustrated her husband was very frustrated that medicine was ignoring that human aspect she was suffering and it didn't seem like she was being helped very much and uh, he showed up one day, basically uh, marched in and lifted her out of the bed, yanked mm-hmm. out all of her tubes and uh, catheters, everything, and carried her out to the elevator and carried her home. I mean, in a very mm-hmm. dramatic way. And there was no one who was going to stop him. Um, and for all, for all we knew, this is Texas. He might have had a gun in his pocket, you know. <laughs> we were. Yeah, we yeah, were, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely, they love their guns. <laughs> so uh, it was very dramatic, and I, uh, people around me were horrified, but I, I really got it. I got uh, his anger and his frustration at medicine, and I vowed that I would be working in in a field of medicine that was the opposite, that really put first and foremost, the patient and the mm-hmm. patient's family and the patient's, again, the human side of things. Mm-hmm. And it was around that time, actually, that my own dad uh, was uh, dealing with uh, colon cancer and uh, underwent some surgery. And we were very fortunate that we had um, a surgeon who was thinking along those lines. In fact, he had been working as a missionary overseas. And at the end of the surgery, when he came out to talk to us, to my mother and I, and he had to share bad news that the cancer had really spread and there was not much that he could do about it. Uh, He was uh, so connected to us. He was so, uh, in a a way, distraught in his own way. And he said, hey, you know, I know there are all these hospital bills. You have to pay the hospital bills, but certainly you don't need to pay my professional fee. I feel like I've, in a a way, failed, you know, failed Mm -hmm. you, failed your dad. And that really touched me. And so it was sort of the opposite experience of where I had done my residency. And, uh, And it really inspired me to start thinking about, okay, how do we prevent disease? How do we really breathe life 
into what's offered in medicine, um, you know, what, what can be done that's more from this positive aspect. And so because of that, and so I've been in an internal medicine residency, I switched to a preventive medicine residency mm-hmm. and uh, uh, started working at the Department of Healthcare Services in uh, public health and hoping mm-hmm. that I would do general prevention and help in that way with large groups of people who were in need. Um, But that had its own sets of frustrations. There was a a, a huge hierarchy. There was, uh, I would say, red tape and paper pushing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, the behavioral side of things kind of got lost in the shuffle. (laughs) And and so I took a leave of absence from that job and uh, went and did a psychiatry fellowship and it's interesting because I was not a psychiatrist, but I convinced them from my primary care and public health background uh, to allow me to do this fellowship because a lot of the psychiatry residents, once they would finish, were off and starting their own practices. And so there were plenty of vacancies at, at, the, at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I was able to do was instead of focusing on the traditional psychiatric care of psychiatric patients, I was working on the psychiatric and psychological care of medical patients. So patients who were, you know, uh, dealing with maybe diabetes and um, maybe some substance abuse, uh, possibly some some heart disease, et cetera, and they were faced with depression and other challenges of dealing with their illnesses. And I learned how to help them with techniques such as kind of behavioral therapy. And Mm -hmm. I ran some group therapy and I was also very fortunate that I was allowed the freedom to dig deeper into those human aspects that I've been mentioning. I had always been interested in sort of a side hobby of mine had been, well, what about personality differences? You know, we're all different individuals. And so we want to be addressed and treated a little bit differently, especially when we're talking about behavior and psychology. Mm-hmm. And so I got way deep into years before all of this had gotten way deep into uh, union psychology. So Carl Jung, famous psychologist, and uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of his work is is way over my head, I must admit. Mm. And uh, the Myers-Briggs personality type indicator is based on his work, but is not his work. But uh, short of that, because there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of controversy over that particular questionnaire and and personality framework. So setting that aside, he still had some very interesting ways of looking at how our brain functions and how we see the world, how we experience the world, right. how we make decisions as as human beings. And that really spoke to me. And so I started developing my own framework of how do you engage with patients? How do you help them change their behaviors, etc.? Mm-hmm. And so I incorporated that framework in my psychiatric fellowship, and I got a chance to incorporate it with the group therapy. And so that was great. I was finally onto something that was a little bit unusual and more at what I had always envisioned medicine would be. Mm. Yeah, so that's that, that's amazing. Um, and I'm sure you're able to distill a lot of insights from that, especially when you said that you went from internal to preventive and uh, or preventive and then uh, to psychiatry. And um, even though it seems like each one of them was not exactly how 
you, you know, anticipated or maybe perceived at the time and hence why you changed directions, you were able within these three areas to kind of, you know, kind of build, you know, grab, um, you know, certain things that you enjoyed and certain things that you didn't enjoy to be able to mesh what your stand is uh, within the field that you're in now in your current work, right? Yes, ex- exactly. And uh, at the time I was just doing a fellowship, I went back to my uh, regular job at the state health department and it was back to the same old, same old after the fellowship. <laughs> and so I was looking for opportunities and the American Medical Association was advertising a brand new position. It was division director of a brand new division, the Healthy Lifestyles Division. And this sounded really right up my alley. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, they're based in Chicago. I knew no one in Chicago. I was newly married, and people thought I was crazy to be applying for a job when I was living in Sacramento, <laughs> in Chicago, and newly married, all kinds of crazy things. That's, yeah. how, that's the zigzag of life. Yeah. Uh, and I went and interviewed, and uh, it was all uh, almost uh, surreal uh, because I, I felt I'd, I'd found my home in terms of what I could potentially be doing in that Uh, in that role, which is helping doctors to really help patients Mm -hmm. uh, with healthy lifestyles, which I'd always thought of as also including the human aspects. Usually when we say healthy lifestyles, people think of healthy eating and being physically active. And of course, those are important components. Um, But I I, I did think about the big picture. And so I remember distinctly walking out of this big, tall skyscraper, glass building, all Mm -hmm. starry-eyed, thinking, Mm -hmm. well, I walked in, this was very overwhelming, but I'm walking out thinking, I can do this. This is, I found my home in terms of Mm. a place in medicine and a a way to potentially help uh, my fellow health professionals, fellow physicians, and their patients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what actually got me involved in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine at the national level and the American College of Preventive Medicine. Mm, yeah, and then you know your your roles and positions, and then ultimately having become uh, president for the ACLM. Um, yeah, so that that is um, that is amazing because you know, like you said, with the zigzag of life, it's you know, it's never a clear cut road, um, especially for you know prof- uh, professionals and for trailblazers like yourself. You know, being able to carve out you know your own niche and your own personal expression of being able to practice uh, that kind of uh, like uh, that kind of um, uh, medicine, if you will, you know, and being able to instill the health and instilling the well into healthcare and you know wellness. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. So what are you uh, currently working on uh, right now? Well, thanks for the the question, Colin. Uh, What has happened is that with all of that background, I still hadn't quite found the sweet spot. I've been involved with the field of lifestyle medicine for about a decade and a half now and uh, helping to advance the field, developing various curricula, uh, training. We uh, had 
about a, a decade ago published the lifestyle medicine core competencies. Uh, mm-hmm. What are the skills and knowledge that physicians need in order to practice high quality lifestyle medicine? All of that has been a right. very uh, a wonderful experience, and I'm so happy. And par- paramount, paramount, <laughs> paramount in terms of the infrastructure because you know I've been involved since 2013 and. It was, you know, I, I, I admired and looked up to, you know, you and amongst other uh, people within this field. And, you know, it's so much needed and so much, you know, what our healthcare system needs. Yes, thank you. So it's been, it's been a wonderful experience, and I'm so humbled and grateful for having been in the right place at the right time with the right passions to, to be a leader in lifestyle medicine. But it was still missing a little bit of more of that. I wanted to get deeper into the human aspect. Yes. And mm-hmm. so I didn't, I, I thought, well, maybe that's just really a side hobby. Maybe it doesn't quite fit. You know, I was a, almost a little bit embarrassed. To, uh, to raise my voice about it. So I was reading left and right everything I could get my hands on around happiness and positive psychology and personality. And right. I had been working on uh, yeah another book and a little app on how to help promote uh, you know behavior change, but but based on who you are, all that kind of stuff. So I was mm-hmm. so I was also in the mobile technology world. I, I did a little bit of everything, and uh, so anyway, I found myself uh, just only now three years ago in the summer of uh, 2017, sitting in the audience of the uh, major World Congress of the International Positive Psychology Association. And a leader in the field of positive psychology, Barbara Fredrickson, who was at the time the outgoing president of that mm-hmm. association, was giving her keynote. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is her keynote was was really all about healthy lifestyles and, and positive emotion being so relevant to health and happiness and also motivating and boosting a healthy lifestyle. And... All of a sudden, it clicked, the light bulb went on, and I realized, oh my goodness, that there is a a real legitimate connection between what I'd been working on in lifestyle Mm -hmm. medicine and my side hobby and side passion. I looked Mm -hmm. around the audience of probably at least 2,000 wonderful professionals of all sectors, uh, including human organization development and uh, education fields and other fields who all use positive psychology. And then, of course, there are some health professionals there. But in general, it, many of my colleagues from lifestyle medicine and healthcare were not in the audience. And I realized they, sh- they should be. They should be learning about this. They should be adopting right, these kinds right. of lessons into healthcare. And so I, I decided, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something about it. And so I uh, was. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's like I'm gonna do something. We're gonna get this going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if, I, if I, finally I, I was really invigorated because this is everything I'd done in my whole life sort of felt like it was leading to this. Right. And I was very fortunate to have as my professional home in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and Susan Benegas, who's the uh, executive director, and she has always been so supportive. And uh, she, she said, okay, let's do this. Let's put together a summit and bring together leaders from positive psychology, leaders from lifestyle medicine, healthcare innovation, and figure out ways that 
these human aspects, the positive psychology and happiness aspects and behavioral aspects can become front and center, not only for lifestyle medicine, but beyond for healthcare in general. And uh, with uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, actually a lot of, I, I spent about six months of pretty much full mm-hmm. time planning the summit, my own money. <laughs> I was, I was, I was all in. Uh, we, we were fortunate to uh, have as a partner, uh, which we stumbled upon uh, accidentally. We were talking about <laughs> accidents earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, they were at, uh, reaching out to ACLM at Dell Medical School about to learn about lifestyle medicine. And Susan said, hey, because that person who was reaching out was also a psychiatrist interested in creativity, interested in happiness and meaning. Uh-huh. And she uh-huh. said, hey, boy, I need to make an introduction for you to Liana, who has this summit in mind, and maybe we can partner. Uh-huh. And we did. We partnered uh-huh. in Dell Medical School. This brand new, beautiful campus uh, actually uh-huh. allowed us to use their venue uh, at no cost. And oh. we, we convened everybody uh, that I, I thought should be there, and they, most of them actually said yes, and most of them said yes at their own expense, <laughs> uh-huh. which was uh-huh. lovely. Uh, and uh, so in May of 2018, it was less than a year from the time I was sitting in that audience at the IPA conference, uh, mm-hmm. we had this a wonderful summit, invitation only, and we huddled and said, okay, what uh, what can we do about this? And uh, a number of suggestions came out of it. First and foremost, though, was physician heal thyself, right? So Mm -hmm. they were saying, well, how are physicians and other health professionals adopting uh, the lessons from happiness science and positive psychology in their own lives, especially with all the physician burnout that's happening and suicides, et cetera? Yeah, and, and we talked about this. We actually had that, you know, little retreat uh, through ACLM at Costa Rica, um, you know, with uh, Henry uh, Vega. So, yes, absolutely. That like we needed our own retreats. We need to take care of ourselves, and uh, so that was one major recommendation that came out of that right. summit. And also, of course, we we knew and talked about that a lot of the research, this great research and science behind this field of positive psychology, but it is being conducted in behavioral settings and psychology settings, not so much in healthcare settings for obvious reasons. It hasn't been a part of healthcare. And so we need to really instigate a evidence base of positive psychology interventions in healthcare settings. What can mm-hmm. primary care docs and lifestyle medicine physicians and other health professionals do that's practical for them in their day-to-day work with patients? It has to be uh, really uh, not very time-consuming. It has to be easy to adopt and implement in our uh, regular uh, encounters, clinical encounters. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that got me thinking some more, like, oh, gosh, yes, these these are important suggestions, and n- none of it is surprising. And <laughs> one thing led to another. We did publish two papers as a result of the summit, which was great, and that was a lot of work in and of itself. But uh, mm-hmm. that question of how do we make this practical, how do we inspire the uh, health professionals to be able to start implementing this. So in order for us to do the research, right, they first have to start somewhere. Right. right? And, and so anyway, that led to the book that I edited. I got colleagues from our planning committee. We have actually a happiness science and uh, positive health 
committee for the American College of Lifestyle Medicine that helped plan the summit, that helped write some of these papers, and uh, they also helped co-author this book uh, of uh, on how we optimize healthcare with positive psychology mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. called Roots of Positive Change. Mm-hmm. And it try, it's very short and it tries to be as practical as possible uh, from every aspect of healthcare, but also in, uh, in not only just how you talk to patients, uh, how you coach them in behavior change using positive psychology, but how you train medical students and others uh, in this kind of uh, more humanistic format of medicine. Um, and, of course, uh, a chapter on, well, what kind of research do we need in order to convince the rest of the healthcare world that this is important <laughs> and relevant? Right, right. Um, it's, um, it's, it's super paramount uh, for many different reasons, um, especially with the topics of physician wellness and physician burnout and you know, because those, those, um, those phrases, those words have been, um, you know, in the, I, I would say, you know, we, we use like health, you know, hashtags nowadays, but, you know, just they're, they're trends now, right? But the thing is, is that they're deeply rooted and they're topics that are not talked about. And, you know, before it was probably very taboo, but now I probably went to a conference for my own osteopathic association maybe a couple, maybe like a year and a half ago now. And it was the first time um, that I actually went to a national conference and they dwelled deep um, into physician wellness, drug abuse, alcohol addiction. And we're talking about in the realm of healthcare professionals. And I was very, um, you know, not surprised by the topic, but, you know, very, very pleasantly, um, you know, just satisfied with the fact that we're bringing up this, um, this this topic, um, not just for healthcare professionals, but also for mental health, um, you know, in general. Um, I would love for you to kind of, um, for our general public um, audience who are listening in, can you just give us um, a, a quick definition on, you know, positive psychology and what that means in terms of, um, you know, for for just people in general and how we need to implement this? Sure. Thanks for the question. Uh, so the the field of positive psychology and even the term I uh, think uh, was around a little bit before Martin uh, Marty Seligman, but it was Marty Seligman that is considered the uh, father of positive psychology. And when he was the head of the uh, uh, American Psychological Association, I think uh, way back in the 80s, and he felt that psychologists and other behaviorists were really focused on getting rid of mental illness, getting rid of problems, managing Mm -hmm. stress, sort of focusing on the negative and getting rid of the negative. And the point is that even if you get rid of the negative, that might get you back to neutral but mm-hmm. is that the same thing as fully functioning at your best, finding mm-hmm. joy in your life, fully flourishing in your life? That takes you well above baseline. And mm-hmm. he felt that we needed a, a, an area or sub-area of psychology that focuses on that, how we get you from baseline and elevate you so that you can achieve more in your life. And as it turns right. out, it also ha- helps you to be not only happier but healthier and mm-hmm. even live longer. And some of the mm-hmm. science now is showing those connections. Uh, mm-hmm. And a, a part of that, is also it, it, it's thriving, <laughs> and so yes. you use that word. 
that's another word, it's, it's, it, it, and that we really need to use our own strengths and our own virtues in order to do that. We have to uniquely feel that we are contributing to this world. And yeah. that's a wonderful connection to what I was saying earlier about personality, right? And that we all have different personality types. We all use our brains a little bit differently. And uh, there's there are different frameworks for that. I happen to like the union framework. Uh, but there are many ways of looking at strengths. The mm-hmm. Virtues in Action Strengths Finder is one that was developed by uh, uh, Chris Peterson, who worked with Marty Seligman and is most w- widely used by the positive psychology field. So we need to be adopting that in our everyday life, all of us, uh, including health professionals, but all of us. Every day we need to f- figure out what what am I uniquely good at and mm-hmm. am I using it on a daily basis to help myself and those around me. And mm-hmm. that that comes back to you in spades and really boosts your over, overall sense of well-being. Hey, guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, because, um, you know, because there's a lot of things that are going around where, you know, we want to, quote unquote, achieve happiness, or we want to, quote unquote, achieve, you know, joy and contentment. And, you know, from my perspective, it's, it's a pro- process, right? And it's, um, you know, I would like to think of it as focusing on progress, right, as opposed to some, some sort of destination that you want to reach towards. And um, I'm interested, you know, what has the studies have shown in terms of when people look at it differently or um, when they try to reach it, you know, do they, um, uh, do, they, do they kind of waver or do they, you know, what is it like the whole process that, you know, uh, some of the uh, studies have shown so far? Well, so I think what you're asking, uh, Colin, is really kind of what are some of the elements or components of mm-hmm. uh, of it, a life that is led with positive psychology in mind? And uh, again, we go back to Marty Seligman, and he, uh, in his book entitled Flourish, talks about it's the acronym PERMA. And so it's a great way to remember some of the basic elements that we can incorporate into our lives to boost our overall uh, emotional well-being. And he even came mm-hmm. up with the term positive health, you know, come mm-hmm. up with positive health. So P is for positive emotions. So that is exactly as you imagine it, doing things that make you feel good. But there's a lot of research, for example, in uh, sub areas such as gratitude and practicing Mm -hmm. gratitude on a regular basis uh, helps. Mm -hmm. Then uh, E is engagement. So it's being fully engaged in work and hobbies that we're passionate about where we lose track of time and where we we feel like we're contributing. We're really doing something that that is uh, productive and uh, helping ourselves and helping others. Or it's creating beauty in the world. It can be creative, of course. Mm -hmm, R mm -hmm. is for relationships, which is the key to most of that broad umbrella of the elements of positive psychology. There are a number of major studies, including a long time cohort, like nearly nine-decade cohort 
run out of Harvard that yes. shows that uh, even if you control for all other variables, the, the key variable to happiness, health, and longevity is connectivity, connection mm-hmm. and relationship. So that's yes. got to be in the mix. It's a then, very good study. <laughs> uh, and then M is for meaning. So meaning and purpose, having uh, both overall life meaning and maybe even just in every day, the things that we do feel meaningful in, in our jobs. We all have jobs and there are some aspects of our jobs that are not so grand or great. But if you can find some aspect of your job that you feel is meaningful, that goes a long way. Uh, as well as, of course, at home with our family, with our friends, with our uh, engaging with neighbors and community that we find meaningful, however we find meaning. And then uh, the last one, A, in PERMA is for uh, accomplishments. So we need, all need goals and need to be working towards that goals, and that's a, a healthy mental activity uh, and contributes to our overall well-being. So uh, that those five pillars of positive psychology is, and that acronym of PERMA is an easy way to remember that. And right. uh, again, connection and meaning are the two most important in there. And what's interesting I'd like to add is that now there's a newish area, sort of a sub-area of positive psychology around hope and that there is such a mm. thing as hope therapy. So there's hope theory and uh, then now uh, psychologists are, are using hope as a kind of therapy that's now called hope therapy. And I want to throw that in there as well because we have such a high-tech, fast-paced, connected world Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, we've all lost hope, especially now with the recent uh, clamor over climate change and what is the state of our planet World, yeah, and, and our world and so many People and kids and young kids are losing hope, and uh, none of us are going to move forward with our well-being if we lose hope. So we all need that hope therapy, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you, can, you don't need to go to a psychologist to to get hope therapy. You can do it yourself at home, and there mm-hmm. are three pieces of it. First, and it kind of links to the A and PERMA uh, mm-hmm. of accomplishment, is you need some goals. Uh, then you need pathways. You need strategies and pathways that you think will get you to those goals. And thirdly, you need agency. You need to feel confident that you can actually follow that pathway to achieve your goal, even if that goal is long-term and it's going to take a lot of hard work and it's going to take a long time. Those Mm -hmm. three components uh, then will give you a sense of hope, which is very important these days. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Would you say, and thank you so much for sharing those components, um, because just like, you know, lifestyle medicine has their own pillars, you know, it's, it sounds like these are the pillars or components of positive psychology. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, do you think like these things are um, goals themselves to achieve, or do you feel like these are just stepping stones, or do you feel like it's a daily practice um, you know, uh, you know, practicing the P and the E and the R and et cetera. Um, I would imagine there, there are practices that you would implement in, in a daily routine. Absolutely, Colin. Yes. It, it's not like uh, you do this once and you put it on the shelf and you're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. This is uh, every day we need to be thinking of 
all of these elements and how to incorporate them in little ways and big ways into our lives. This should be front and center part of our own healthy lifestyle. So, of course, I'm right. sure in the, in the show you've talked about, like you mentioned, the pillars of lifestyle medicine. So we're talking about healthy nutrition, physical activity, adequate high-quality sleep, avoiding risky substance use, managing mm-hmm. your stress. And then I then say this last pillar is positive psychology, which includes social connectivity and PERMA right. and a hope. And that uh, we need to be practicing all of that, of course, every day for our health, happiness, right. and longevity. Right, right. And, you know, when I counsel, so I do family practice and, you know, I do, you know, seeing patients on uh, one-on-one encounters. And, um, you know, it's not enough to, you know, look at these, you know, uh, it's not enough to look at these things as separate um, entities, um, as you will. And it's almost like you kind of have to prioritize what is the most important because it could be very daunting. You know, you say to yourself, you know, I have a family and, um, you know, I have a job and, you know, I got to make time out to work out. And, you know, so sometimes I feel that patients and people like, you know, will kind of separate these things. And like you said, it's a daily practice. You know, you kind of have to, I, I guide my patients in terms of, you know, what do you prioritize? You know, what is the most important thing, um, you know, that you kind of have to like rank, you know, in your head. And I do my best to, you know, be able to teach that health is wealth, you know, and it's not just an expression. It, it really affects, you know, all of us because it doesn't matter whether you're a homeless person or if you are a billionaire CEO, health affects all of us. And I agree with you. And I also strongly um, believe and advocate that, you know, if you don't have a positive mindset, you don't have a system in place where, you know, you are practicing, like you said, you know, PERMA or these components, it doesn't matter if you are eating the healthiest diet or, you know, if you're working, you know, out, you know, 10, you know, you know, 10 hours, you know, a day. If you don't have that clear, you know, positive mindset direction, a good support system, a community, and uh, incorporating these daily uh, practices, it's almost like you will go nowhere, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's very, very paramount. So I really um, concur with what you're saying. And, um, you know, thank you so much for sharing that. And adding to that, uh, I have to say that you were talking about prioritization, et cetera, that there are all these components and it can be a little bit potentially overwhelming, like where do I start, et cetera. And Mm -hmm. I would argue from the positive psychology perspective that positive emotion, finding ways to boost your positive emotions is front and center. It's the core because that is what actually lit my light bulb, if you will, in my head when I was sitting in the audience uh, three years ago listening to Barbara Fredrickson because what she was talking about is the latest and greatest research that shows that positive emotion drives healthy behaviors almost unconsciously so Mm. that that if you can find that overall emotional well-being that you're gonna not have to sort of be willful and say okay oh boy now i've got to you know i have to do my salad i have to do my physical i see i have to have to it just naturally happens without so much hard work so that's why i see positive emotion positive psychology as the foundation upon which all healthy lifestyles can be built 
and not only that, but actually each of them reinforce each other. And, and in the book, we talked about how each area of a healthy lifestyle uh, improves positive emotion, and then that positive emotion boosts your ability to do that healthy behavior. Right. So this is uh, so important. I mean, you can tell why I'm it, on my on the panel <laughs> about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, it sounds um, it sounds very synergistic, and you know, if we can make you know a practice of taking care of yourself and a practice of wellness uh, more simple and more straightforward for people, um, the better, especially when you have the research, you know, to back it up. Um, Leon, this has been great. Um, I would love to uh, conclude uh, with my question of, um, and we've talked about this a lot. Uh, I love hearing about, you know, what makes my guests thrive. And um, I love to know personally for you, you know, what has made you thrive over the years. And then um, the last part of the question is, um, you know, for people that are listening right now and wanting to learn more about how to implement positive psychology right now, you know, what are three tips you could offer uh, for them? Sure, absolutely. I would say the three are make sure on a regular basis you have an experience, genuine connection, not only with intimate partners and family members and friends, but everyone, everyone you encounter uh, throughout the day, just a genuine hello. There's been uh, studies that show how these micro moments of connection throughout the day boost your happiness, health, and longevity. So connection, number one. Number two, uh, remind yourself that what you're doing uh, is meaningful or find something that is meaningful mm-hmm. on a regular basis and uh, at least on a regular basis uh, think about what you're grateful for what's going well in your life and there might be a lot of things that are not going well in your life but often there is at least something and it might be internal you might just be grateful for your own strengths uh, to persevere for example right. so number two uh, number three then is to always be having some goals that you're working on and, and making sure you see your own progress, even if that progress is, you know, tiny, tiny little steps. Uh, it, again, uh, builds that hope for the future. And if you do all three of these, connection, uh, meaningful types of activities, working towards goals that you see your own progress, then you're going to be happier, healthier, and live longer. Awesome. And how do you thrive yourself, Liana? Well, for me, it's connection, and it's uh, it's my daughter. I have a nine-year-old daughter that's uh, adopted Aww. from China. Um, she's uh, she's been a blessing. We've I've had her since she was two. Uh, she herself is a survivor because she had been basically left uh, in a basket uh, in a park uh, in mm. a, a town called Baotu, and mm-hmm. uh, then was in an orphanage for the first couple of years of her life. Uh, but mm-hmm. even in the first pictures that we saw of her, despite uh, being abandoned, despite everything, she had a smile on her face. She was and represents positive psychology for herself mm. and for me. Mm. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, I would love to kind of, you know, say to you that I think uh, we're glad that your dad asked you to just pick up and move. <laughs> um, you know, over here from Bulgaria. So we're really, really um, you know, just grateful to have someone like you to have gone through the journey of, um, you know, uh, just your your curiosity and your 
thirst and hunger for wanting, you know, something more and that has led you led you to this point. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you. This has been a pleasure. <laughs> My, for people that want to look you up and reach you uh, reach out to you, um, where can they find you? Probably we're just setting up a new website for the mm-hmm. book. So in, in the meantime, uh, there is uh, myhappyavatar.com uh, is probably the, the best place, which is uh, a little bit out of date, but it will give people a sense of some of the work that I was doing around personality and positive psychology and positive emotion. And uh, stay tuned, though. Uh, you can uh, certainly find the book, uh, Roots of Positive Change, on Amazon and soon other distributors. And uh, and we'll be uh, making uh, a, a cry to the world about everything I've been talking about on, yeah. on our talk today. So stay tuned for more. All right. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure to, uh, you know, include that into the show notes uh, right in this episode. Um, okay, guys. Well, thank you uh, so much for listening in. This has been another episode of Fry Bites, and you can check us back here weekly. Um, thank you so much, Liana. Thank you. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrybytes. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.